This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Rick Martinez. I am a cookbook author, video host, and I love wearing terry cloth. <laughs> I'm Carla Lolly Music. I'm also a cookbook author, video host, and I still can't do a pull-up. But she can squat 4,000 pounds. <laughs> That's right, folks. And this is Borderline Salty, the show where we take your calls, boost your confidence, and make you a better, smarter, happier cook. Today we'll discuss what to eat when you get home from a trip, homemade oat milk, and gorgeous summer pastas. Oh, I love a summer pasta. Who doesn't? But before we get into it, I want to share that this week's segment of Tell Me Something Good is brought to you by the Sonos Move, a powerful and portable smart speaker for listening all around your home and beyond. Soundtrack your summer with Sonos. Discover Move plus other speakers and soundbars at Sonos.com. Okay, Rick, now tell me something good. Okay, you're going to appreciate this. I actually almost called you during this little event. So as you know, my father came to Mazatlan to visit for my birthday, and we celebrated my birthday and Father's Day. And as a part of that visit, he obviously had to make beans. Right. Of course. I mean. So for those that may not know, my father is a master of the bean. In fact, when Carla and I worked at Bon Appetit, I was shooting a video and I made my father's beans as a part of this video and people just freaked out. So much so that Carla was like, we have to get this recipe and put it on the BA website. Yeah. Which we did. And then when he came to visit... There was a request by the Test Kitchen staff that my father make breakfast for the entire <laughs> team, which he did. So, obviously, when he came to visit me in Mazatlan, I asked him to make beans. And I had some really amazing chicharrones. Now, so the chicharrones in Mexico come in a lot of different styles. So, this particular style is kind of like a really deep-fried golden lardon. Like, they're really big pieces of pork belly. Mm. They're kind of meaty. They're a little bit crispy, mm. but they're really big. So he saw them and he was like, well, why don't you throw some of those in the beans while they cook? And I was like, oh my God, this is why you're the bean master. So I did that. They cook. Now we're ready to refry. So I have some really delicious, freshly rendered lard, which he was going to use. And then he's like, do you have any more of those chicharrones? I was like, of course I do. <laughs> he takes some, he chops them up really finely, 
throws them into the hot lard, and then pours the beans with the beautiful chicharrones that have been like slow simmered with the beans. So it's just pork on top of pork on top of more pork on top of lard. Mm. They were the best beans ever. Oh my God. Amazing. So he refried the chicharrones in the lard before refrying the beans in the chicharrones that had been fried in the lard. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I was like... This is why you are my father and you are the greatest father of all time. (laughs) It's so sweet because what I always think about when I think about your dad's beans is you talking about whenever you would go visit home, the first morning home, he would always wake you up in bed with freshly made tortillas and his refried beans. And that was like your like bedside delivery, which is just so sweet. The best. So Carla, why don't you tell me something good? Well, I will tell you something good, which is that I have recently recovered from my first uh, COVID experience, which two and a half years finally came for me. And the overall experience wasn't too bad. I was very happy that I've been boosted and like I just felt like I didn't have really terrible symptoms, but I got crazy food cravings. And the one that I couldn't shake was just an uncontrollable craving for chocolate sorbet specifically. And I love ice cream. (laughs) I'm all love, I have, you know, happy to have ice cream anytime, but I specifically wanted chocolate sorbet and I wanted Sharon's chocolate sorbet, which I used to eat all the time and used to be able to get it at like any bodega in the city. So I'm having this insane craving for the chocolate sorbet and My husband was going out and he was like, I'm going to the store. Can I get you anything? Emergency, you know, ginger ale. I was like, actually, (laughs) I really need, I need chocolate sorbet. And then he came back and I was like, where's the chocolate sorbet? And he was like, oh yeah, it's weird. They didn't have it at our, you know, regular place. And I was like, okay, so where else did you go? Like, (laughs) this is like important. But in the intervening days, another craving had taken over, which was a craving for coffee liqueur, like Kahlua. I was craving like a Kahlua milkshake. There was a lot of like frozen dessert cravings. Oh my! Wait, and these are all COVID induced. Like you don't like just wake up on a normal day and go, "Oh, I'm going to have some coffee liqueur." And yeah, I mean, I do love. I love Kahlua. I love coffee liqueur, and I I like making drinks with them. But like, yeah, out of nowhere, I'm like looking (laughs) up on the internet like Kahlua milkshake. When I recovered, I went out and hit a couple of bodegas till I got my chocolate sorbet and came home and then made it into an affogato with a shot of liqueur over oh it. And it was worth the wait. So wow, definitely recommend. Anyway, so anyone out there, just put coffee liqueur on whatever frozen delight you have in your freezer <laughs> and you will you will thank me for it. Yeah. And you don't even need to wait for a COVID craving. You can just do that tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't have it till I recovered and it was just as good. (laughs) Hey, Rick, are you ready for some listener questions? Welcome to Borderline Salty. How can I help you? Hi, Rick and Carla. This is Lauren calling from Salt Lake City. And I wanted to call you because with my hectic summer travel schedule, I'm finding myself in that situation where you've just gotten home from a trip. 
and you want something to eat that's homemade and healthy, probably veggie heavy since your trip wasn't, and something simple, but your fridge is empty. Honestly, you're probably not going to the grocery store until maybe a day or two after you return. So I wanted to know what you guys like to eat when you get back from a trip and if you had any advice on what kinds of items I should keep on hand for these situations. Thanks for your thoughts. Okay, well, looking for like a veggie heavy thing to eat when you get back from a trip and what I eat when I get back from a trip (laughs) are definitely two different questions. But what I like to eat, okay, I've got two, I've got two answers. The first part is always crave pasta when I get home from a trip. I don't know if it's because the most comforting, the most associated with home, whatever. But it also happens to be, you know, a lot of shelf-stable, pantry-friendly ingredients. So the one that probably everybody is going to request is known around here as daddy pasta. Ooh, tell me about daddy pasta. So daddy pasta, the wonderful thing about daddy pasta is you do not have to be a daddy to make it. In fact, I taught <laughs> I taught Fernando how to make it, and um, he has gotten really good at it. I've actually done a video for Daddy Pasta, so we'll link that in the show notes so that you guys can see it and make it. So essentially, it is pasta with egg yolks, lots of grated Parmesan cheese, melted butter, and olive oil. You boil your pasta. You put it into the pot that you boiled the pasta in put some softened butter in there, put some olive oil on it, and toss everything around to coat the pasta. And then over that, you pour in egg yolks that are beaten with lots of parm. So it's kind of like carbonara without the pork product or or an Alfredo plus egg yolk. So it's just kind of enriched with the egg yolks, really creamy, really satisfying. And then you know, you just basically eat your pasta and everybody goes to bed. And it takes like 20 minutes. So by the time the water's boiling, you've beaten your egg yolks and grated the cheese. And then you just like put everything together with some pasta water or whatever. Then if I'm feeling a little bit more burning clean, I would say that's our like family word for, you know, maybe we've eaten so much on vacation, you're hungry, but you just like want to give your body a break. We always have smoothie stuff in the house. And that tends to be, you know, pantry friendly. So frozen blueberries, frozen mangoes, you know, chia seeds, oats. We always have almond milk or oat milk that doesn't need to be refrigerated in one of those Tetra packs. So throw that into the blender or the Ninja and have like a super, super food smoothie. I'm a big fan of eating something comforting when I get home. Yeah. So I want something that's going to make me feel good, that's sort of like a big welcome home hug uh, for myself. So I rely very heavily on my freezer for that. And actually, when my dad flew in, I wanted to do the same thing for him and make him feel welcome and at home. And so I made my mother's picadillo, which we both really, really love. It's really easy to make. It's basically ground beef and onions, poblano, Mm. uh, a little tomato, cumin, garlic. And you basically just brown your meat, put in all your veg, let those brown a little bit cover it with water, and let that simmer until the the beef and the potatoes are cooked through. So I actually just threw that together, made it, and then went to the airport and came home, and it was still warm. 
uh, served it with some hot flour tortillas, mm. and that was our sort of our, our welcome home dinner. So sweet. And then I actually I put the um, the leftovers in quart containers and I put them in the freezer, and so that when I'm coming home from a trip. I just open the freezer and I always have either vegetable soups or chicken soup or now the picadillo and I'll just grab a quart, put it in the microwave and heat it up. And then now I have like a really nice, hot, delicious, comforting soup in about 10 minutes. Wow. If you were a superhero, like definitely one of your powers would involve freezing things really quickly. Oh my God. You're like the king of the freezer. I am so jealous. I want to be your freezer. I want to be your freezer just to be surrounded by all of that food all the time. <laughs> We're going to have to go on a little freezer tour. <laughs> Although like I have to, I, I would have to warn you that like there are a good seven pounds of Kerrygold butter okay. in my I, freezer. Why warn me? Yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, yeah, because you never know when you might need some brown butter for some cookies you never know. I mean, you know, the mood strikes and you got to act fast. Open the freezer, throw the butter in the pan. Oh my God, go. let's go now. Yeah, but your freezer just sounds like paradise filled with delicious already made meals. I would 100% live in there if, if it weren't so cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're planning ahead, leave yourself a beautiful freezer meal. And if not, just lean on your pantry pasta. Actually, that's a really good idea. Like, actually, the day before you go on your trip, make yourself a really nice welcome back meal and put it in the freezer. Next caller, please. Hi, Carla and Rick. This is Kinsey. My fear right now is that I love oat milk, but... I don't want to buy it from the store because it's so expensive. And there's also a lot of discourse about what kind of additives they're putting in, etc. But anytime we've made it at home, it's slimy or something just isn't quite right. And maybe I want to sweeten it, but I don't know how much to do. And any recipe I've looked up online doesn't really say the same thing. So I'm wondering, how can I make my own oat milk at home that tastes good and doesn't become slimy after a certain amount of time. Thank you so much. I love your show. Well, Kinsey, I love oat milk too. I completely agree with you. Oat milk is really expensive. The thing is, to make your own oat milk, you only really need two ingredients, oats, water, and a little bit of time. And oats are really cheap. At least for me, I've done several experiments with oat milk because I made a recipe for oat milk cookie ice cream sandwiches, and I actually made my own oat milk to make the ice cream. And what I found is that the longer you let the oatmeal sit in the water, the softer it becomes, but the slimier it becomes when you process it. Funny enough, though, you want that slime for the ice cream because the thicker and the more viscous the oat milk is, the creamier and the smoother your ice cream will be. But if I wanted to make a drinking oat milk that is a little bit thinner and more smooth and drinkable, I would recommend soaking in the four to eight hour range. Yeah, I went through a whole like alt milk homemade phase um, a number of years ago, and it was definitely driven by the, it's so expensive. And the thing is, when you start making alt milks at home, you realize it's mostly water, like mm -hmm. four to one water to solid. So you're paying for, water and labor. Right. I think that viscous or gelatinous or slimy, whatever it is, that's actually what makes oats like really healthy 
for your digestion and that like they'll gel up kind of the way a chia seed gels. I mean, it's slightly different, but sweetening, I went through the sweetening thing as well when I was making homemade nut milks and oat milks. And you can use agave, you can use honey, you could use like half a teaspoon of cinnamon or a few drops of vanilla. And I would just sort of taste as you go. The other thing that's a great natural sweetener is to just drop a pitted medjool date in while you're soaking. And like, it'll blend up. If you soak it with the oats over the eight hours or the shorter amount of time that Rick's recommending, and then it blends, it'll totally puree. And it just adds like a really nice natural sweetener to it. But any, you could use anything, really. Okay, Kenzie, to recap, we want to shorten our soaking time, play around with the ratio of water to oats, and to sweeten, you can add cinnamon, you can add agave, honey, dates. Also, you can actually just use some simple syrup and, um, you know, sweeten as you go. But try those things. Line two, you're on. Hi, Rick and Carla. My name is Michael. My question today is, I like to use fresh ingredients. I like to use, you know, real stuff, organic stuff. But garlic and onion powder, it's so handy. And sometimes it just really works with the recipe I'm trying to use. Do you guys disapprove of that as ingredients? Or is it acceptable? Inquiring minds need to know. I love this. I also love garlic powder and I love onion powder. I always have them in the house, but they are sadly not a substitute (laughs) for fresh garlic or fresh onions. But they're absolutely essential in certain things like ranch dressing. You cannot make ranch dressing without garlic and onion powder. Like it just doesn't taste the same. I completely agree. I don't actually even think of them as onion and garlic products. They're just, they're their own thing. You know, when I'm making fried chicken in the crust, you have to have gunion, uh, gunion. (laughs) You have to have gunion powder. (laughs) (laughs) New product alert. Yeah. Uh, It just doesn't taste right. Yeah. And there are times that I have used all four ingredients. So fresh garlic, onion, and then gunion powder. So do not feel bad at all. They're absolutely essential pantry ingredients. Yeah. Like I love garlic powder in dry rubs for ribs. I sometimes just shake it over a steak in addition to the salt and pepper. I love to make like a yogurt dip with fresh grated garlic and I'll add the powdered garlic to that and just amplify those flavors. You know, same thing with like caramelized onion dip. You know, you need the caramelized Ugh. onions, but then bump it up with the onion powder. They work really well with their, you know, origin ingredient, <laughs> but it's just a different flavor, you know? Try garlic bread with fresh garlic and garlic Ooh, powder. Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. I love garlic powder also on pizza. Like when we get takeout yes. pizza, I always bust out the garlic powder, the chili flakes, black pepper. Or garlic knots with both. Oh. And a little anchovy. Mm. (laughs) So, Michael, keep cooking with garlic powder. Keep cooking with onion powder. But keep cooking with garlic. (laughs) And also with onions. Wear all four of them as a badge. (laughs) Hi, Rick. Hi, Carla. I'm Julie. I live in Montreal, and we have pretty harsh winters. But what people don't know is that we get really hot humid summers too. It feels like 40 degrees Celsius. It's crazy. And 
I know like Carla, I'm a pasta lover. I love pasta, but I have lots of pasta recipes that are good for the winter. You know, like the hearty meat sauces. So my question is, what are good pastas and good pasta sauces that I can eat in the summer that can be refreshing? I said I don't like pasta salads. All right, thank you so much. All right. I don't know my Celsius for my Fahrenheit's, but I, I'm getting the impression that 40 is really hot. 40 is very hot, yes. <laughs> okay. I have to be honest. I actually think that I like summer pastas better. I mean, I think yeah. I like anything in the summer better, yeah. but, you know. But, like, veggies and pasta is, like, the best. Some of my favorites, for sure. I mean, the most obvious ingredient that popped into my head is tomatoes. Right. Summer tomatoes, like, you don't even have to cook them, honestly. My mom used to make this delicious cherry tomato pasta where she would just cut them in half, dress them with olive oil, a little bit of grated garlic, salt, pepper, and then she would put cubes of fresh mozzarella in the bowl and just let everything marinate for all day and then would cook pasta, drain it, and pour the hot pasta into the bowl with the tomatoes and the cheese. And just the residual heat would, like, melt the mozzarella and it would just get coated with all the tomato juices. It was so, uh, so good. Okay. I'm a hundred percent making that today. Like I (laughs) legit, I'm the cherry tomatoes right now are so good. Yum. I'm going to make that. Yeah. You can use any kind of fresh cheese. Yeah. I don't know. I might be able to find mozzarella, like stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. I also love making ragouts out of things other than tomatoes and meat. Mm -hmm. So like squash ragouts, you take summer squash and cook them down with lots of olive oil, garlic, and onions, and they start to get caramelly and start to lose their shape. They almost take on this kind of meaty flavor, throw in a lot of parm, toss them with pasta. That's one of the only ways, actually, that I really, truly enjoy zucchini is like cooked down like that grandma style. It just completely transforms the flavor. Okay, wait. One more thing that I really love to do is, so when I go to the farmer's market and you buy these beautiful vegetables that have like these leafy green tops, Mm -hmm. never ever throw those away. Save them. So I usually, a lot of times they'll ask you, do you want me to like cut these tops off? And if I say yes, I always tell them that I want to keep them. Right. And then you have like the beet tops, you have the carrot tops, you have radish tops. Those make great pastas. So you don't even have to cook them. If you have like a really tender green, you can, similar to what you said about cherry tomatoes, the residual heat of the pasta will cook and wilt those greens. And so you get this really beautiful, you know, beet and radish top with Mm -hmm. a little olive oil. I would throw in some burrata because I'm craving it incredibly. Sure, why not? Burrata for the win. Oh, my God. Some lemon, some Parmesan, olive oil. Oh, so good. If you have like a heartier green, like a a shard, you want to cook those a little bit. So you can just like lightly saute them in olive oil and garlic and then throw those into the pasta at the end. Oh, that's such a good point about cooking the greens first. I think because people know pesto alla genovese, like your typical classic basil pesto, A lot of people think that a pesto has to use raw herbs. And like, not only do you not have to use only herbs, you can use greens and you can also use greens that have been cooked. I'm obsessed with Swiss chard pesto, been kind of playing around with one for the past year. And I just finally really developed it and made a video for it. And that recipe will be linked. Yeah, I want all these things now. All right, Julie, I hope that gets you started on your summer pasta journey. 
Okay, Carla, brace yourself. I am receiving word that we are getting some listener feedback. That's right. You heard it. Listener feedback. Hi, Rick and Carla. This is Sam from Hyde Park in Austin, 78751 represent. I am calling about your advice to Alyssa on nail polish that won't chip. I have to disagree with both of you, absolutely. Gel is not the way to go if you want your manicure to survive. (laughs) I can wreck a job within one week. The answer is go for dipping powder. That I can make last three or four weeks doing everything that I do, including cooking, and it's still raw. So, Alyssa, I hope you're listening. Do not go the gel route. Go for dipping powder. It's the same cost and a superior result. Bye. Okay, Sam, I will be in Austin in August, and I need to know where you go to get your powder, because I'm going to. Also, send us a pic of your nails. Yeah, proof is in the pudding. We want to see it. We've had great experiences with gel. We love to turn this over to a beauty influencer call-in, and we just, you know, we just need to see the nails. Show us the nails. DM us a, a photo of your nails. Borderline Salty on Instagram. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, before we go, it is time for our favorite internet game, Rad Fad or Bad Fad. I am about to show Rick a TikTok, and for everybody listening, the link to this TikTok video is in our show notes, so you can totally watch right along with us. All right, so Rick, I'm I'm not going to say anything about this, except I am kind of amazed that nobody thought of this sooner. 
Ooh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> we have the rice cake, a peanut butter, and the chocolate tea. <laughs> One more time. Rice cakes, peanut butter, and chocolate chips equals a giant Reese's peanut butter cup. What? To make this snack, spread a tablespoonful of peanut butter onto a crunchy rice cake and then dip it in melted chocolate. My favorite Ooh. is Hue. Put it on a plate and sprinkle it with a good amount of mm -hmm. sea salt. Then stick it in the freezer until it's hardened. Break it open or just bite in and enjoy. Wow. Right? Okay, so this may actually be the one and only good application for a rice cake. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling we were going to get into that. <laughs> I love rice cakes, but you were one of the original naysayers. Oh, my God. Like, I just don't understand <laughs> rice cakes. Like, I just don't, I don't get them. I don't, I don't need to eat them. I just, but that, but what I just saw, I mean, first of all, like, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. So yeah. So you put a Reese's peanut butter cup on a rice cake and I would probably eat it. And I actually think in my mind that the crunch of the rice cake would probably be really good with the peanut butter and the chocolate and the salt. I just think that the shape is so, it just lends itself so perfectly. So I'm trying to think of other, I'm sure you could do this with, with lots of things. Like you could probably do it with a graham cracker too, you know, but something about the rice cake shape and the thickness of it. And then I love this one too, because, you know, if you eat peanut butter, you have all of these things in your house. I would have to buy the rice cake. But. <laughs> all right. So frozen peanut butter, chocolate, rice cake, treat, rad fat or bad fat? So I'm going to preface it by saying I ordinarily hate and do not understand the obsession with rice cakes, but... I will call this application of a rice cake with peanut butter and chocolate and sea salt a rad fad. Wow, rice cakes everywhere just broke into applause. <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of Borderline Salty. You can find recipes and recommendations from this week's episode in our show notes. If you have a question or a fear you want us to help you through, you can always leave us a voicemail at 833-433-FOOD. Call us at 833-433-3663. Borderline Salty is an original production by Pineapple Street Studios. We're your hosts. I'm Rick Martinez. I'm Carla Lolly Music. You can find links to our work in the show notes for this episode. Natalie Brennan is our lead producer. Janelle Anderson is our producer. Our managing producer is Agarenish Chagre. Our assistant producer is Mari Orozco. Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. Mixing and engineering by Davy Sumner and Jason Richards. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Original music from our very own Raj Makija. Additional music from Vincent Vega, Spring Gang, and Glovebox, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Legal services for Pineapple Street are provided by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Our executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. We appreciate Lauren, Kinsey, Michael, Julie, and Sam for calling in this week. And thank you so much for listening to us. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you next week. Vaya con Dios. You could talk to us tomorrow if you haven't listened to the other episodes. Binge us, call us, listen to us, sing us. Watch us. <laughs> Love us. Holler at us. Ring-a-ding-ding. Jingle-dangle.
Bye. Bye.